Warning. Please note that this podcast contains strong language and touches on many topics that may not be considered appropriate for a work environment. If you choose to listen to this podcast where you can be overheard, we are not responsible for the consequences of your decision. You've been warned. and feminism to be discussed in wrestling. So we have some awesome guests to help fill in my copious lack of knowledge. And this should be a pretty cool episode. And they're not a bunch of white guys like me to fill her in. So get the business out of the way. You'll find all of our information for the podcast at xchromosomepodcast.com. This will have links to all of our social media, to Twitter, to Facebook, to Instagram, everything, including things such as our Patreon, our direct link for donations, and also for merchandise. We have a new design up about Stop Sending Nudes. Feel free to look at that. Special thanks to uh, Noel's spouse for coming up with that acronym. Now, we're also going to be going through and doing a lot more topics on future shows. So we want this to be not just a platform of various topics at hand, but we want to be able to hear from you and basically raise your voices. Yeah, uh, because we're not beholden to things like sponsors or, you know, the man in general. We want to make this a podcast that you really want to listen to. So let us know the topics that are pressing on your mind so we can address them. All right. And however, this episode, we might be beholden to the man, so to speak, as we're going to talk about this woman wrestling, including things such as the man, Becky Lynch. I would like to go through and introduce our two guests, Ashley Leckwald mm-hmm. and Sierra Reed. Yes. All right, um, let's have you introduce yourself. Uh, let's go with Ashley. Uh, Tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, um, so I, as, as I mentioned, I am uh, Ashley Leckwold. I have been a writer for Peace Magazine, Pro Wrestling Sheet, Daily DDT, which I've kind of had to take a slight break from, but should be back at it soon now that I'm going to finally have a working computer soon. So I've been into wrestling for about almost five years at this point. Mostly covered WWE stuff in the past, but I'm taking a break from WWE. Mostly my, my, my main interest right now is in the southern indie scene as well uh, as well as the Midwest indie scene. And most anything you can probably find on uh, independentwrestling.tv. And Sierra, what about you? Let's see. I've been covering women's wrestling solely for a very, very long time. I can't even tell you when I began that journey. I first started over at angrymarks.com and then I started writing for a a short-lived magazine called Ring Sirens. And then after that, I jumped over to Ring Bells, which is like a lot of people might recognize the one article basis that I use called the Ring Bells Roundup. That's where that came from, that site. And once that site closed down, Lee Burton gave me the article as a piece to take with me wherever I went to cover women's wrestling. So I took that right over to Pro Wrestling Ponderings. And I also cover it over at Squared Circle Sirens. So that's basically where I'm at nowadays. Also, 
get this out of the way just so we can get a base about things. Who are currently your favorite wrestlers? Let's just put one woman's wrestler and one men, male wrestler. Ooh. Um, oh, gosh, I got to think about that. Uh, I would say my favorite male wrestler, because like I said, um, I kind of always distinguish it between like WWE and like indie scene as well. I mean, because my favorites of all time are still like Finn Balor and uh, Bailey. Again, I've only been into wrestling for about five years, but currently I would say my favorite men's wrestler on the indie scene is Effie. And and my favorite women's wrestler is oh gosh. Um I'm like I'm I'm like thinking of so many that I really love and it's like kinda of my brain it's kinda of like stopping in my brain, but I would say at this hot second you know uh, yeah, no. I was gonna say Chris Statlander and she is very close, but it's actually solo darling. All right, because um, I I haven't seen an Effie match yet, but I did go through and Boston had a beyond a quote unquote secret show for Beyond, uh-huh. and I saw the match between Solo Darling and uh, David Cross at the secret Beyond show that they had in Boston, and that was also the first time I actually saw um, Chris Statlander too, because she was facing um, Kimberly and. The first time I ever saw Orange Cassidy. Where oh he my won, gosh. Where he won the title because Kimberly knocked out Statlander with the belt and then c- covered. So. Uh, that um, sounds about right. So, yeah, that, that was a new experience for all those people for me. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually um, ended up recommending Beyond uh, to somebody behind me at uh dynamite this past week uh because i ended up going to the recording for dynamite in um in nashville and uh somebody was like behind me during the recording of uh aew dark was like oh i've never seen statlander before she's really good i'm like then uh go check out her out on beyond on iwtv she's done a lot of great stuff there yep and sierra what? Who are your current favorite wrestlers, male and female? That's a hard one because I have several favorites. Um, off the top of my head, I would say as far as female, Michael Satamora. Um, it's just for me, it's just like you just can't go wrong. Like as soon as you see her name versus somebody, you're just like I don't, I don't even care who she's fighting. I just want to see her. Like it's just I don't know. She just has that essence where it's just like you just not only enjoy it for just like the pure art of it it's just how she does everything it's just like I've seen plenty of Joshi wrestlers in my day because I watch a lot of Joshi but there's very few that I can say where I can sit there and watch and just be like wow like I'm completely blown away and she's one of those ones you know um as far as male Cool. There, there's so many guys, you know, there's like, far as the current products and stuff, I'm not really caught up on like the indie side when it comes to the guys, I'm more so more versed in the women's side of things. Um, but like one of my all time favorites out of the indies would be low key. And I don't know. It just made me the first time I seen him just like, you know, the first time a lot of people seen like Brian Danielson. You know, it just something stuck with you, and I've always enjoyed his ring work. I mean, never mind, you know, suppose antics he does outside of the ring, but, you know, I can't really say I've seen maybe one match of his that I did not like. So he's one of those ones up there. So he kind of influences what I like when it comes to male wrestlers. Well, he'll kick your face off, too, so. Yeah, that's, that's true. I've seen him practically kick a couple people's faces off, and you know. So one of the faces that I'd like to see Loki kick off is that guy, um, bullshithead. I mean, um, Brad Shepard. Oh God, Brad Brad Shepard. For though, I'm not going to link anything to him because I'm not going to give him that type of publicity. He is a wrestling journalist who. Occasionally causes Twitter to blow up, just like recently before this podcast. Sexism. What was I missed the thing about this whole um what they said a Kofi spade? 
I missed that one. I mean, I did see the whole thing recently where it seemed like he may have gotten scam like scammed out of his money for trying to like pay for news that might have been Makito, but that's just speculation. When I logged on, that's the first thing I seen was the screen caps of that, of him saying it over and over. And then once I went down to, you know, the wormhole trying to figure out what caused that, I started seeing where everybody was saying that he was coming at Paige Jackson. Yeah, that was a lot of it was uh, her uh, giving Joey Ryan a lap dance at uh, Prime Time Wrestling in, um, in D.C. Uh, during their match, which just makes sense but like i'll use it as a chance to he used it as a chance to be super sexist he used it to slut shame her and you know be degrading towards her and stuff like that and i mean phase never made it no you know secret like she she's a model you know she takes pictures and stuff i've never seen her post like post anything nudes or anything like that and i mean she does some sexy pictures and stuff like that but i but it's like, you know, when I see her post them, you know, especially when she's selling them as eight by tens to fans and stuff like that, it's more so empowering thing. Like, I'm owning my sexuality. I'm owning my body. I'm showing you that, hey, this is who I am. I love me. I'm beautiful. Accept it. Deal with it. But for him to kind of take, take that and use that as an arsenal of like, uh, this is why we shouldn't care about her because she's doing this and scamming people out of money and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, once again, you're making up false allegations and you're throwing this out here to ruin another woman's re- reputation because he has a repeated behavior of doing this. And it's just, it's completely sickening that he's allowed to exist at this point. Yeah, seriously. I mean, especially since, like, out of all of the wrestling journalists, like, he's the one I use it the most loosely on. Because he will literally just make shit up. But also, like, it, what Faye does with the selling the 8x10s and all that is not any different than what a lot of, like, women wrestlers do. You know, I can't think of any specific... Oh, Lufisto, I remember her selling some, like, ones recently that were... They're sexy, not, like, racy or nudes or anything like that, but very much, like, in the realm of sexy and selling those. But, like, like, again, if you're, if that's what is, if you're, like, it's in that case of, like, if you're happy with your body and, like, you know that's what's going to sell, might as well, you know? And that's no reason to shame Faye or any other, or, like, woman wrestler who does it. It also seems like anytime, because... He's had me blocked for like a couple years, and and the funny thing is, like, I didn't realize he had me blocked until like a couple weeks ago when somebody's like, "Oh, go see what he said," and I'm just like, I don't feel like it because it's just same garbage as usual. And then I was like, "Oh, he blocked me," but then I realized why he blocked me, and it was because when he first started doing the whole scoops thing, he was going around posting fake stories about certain wrestlers, and I called him out on it. And, you know, I said to a couple of people, like, please don't let this type of person come in because then he started blocking a lot of women on Twitter that, you know, had strong voices and was just like, no, you can't speak about women like this. You can't say these horrible things. So he's like literally almost every female I follow on Twitter that covers wrestling, he hasn't blocked. Oh, he sounds like a. Oh, uh, yeah, he's he's a real piece of garbage. You guys are saying Faye Jackson, right? All right, because I'm putting notes up for in our chat. So while we're going through this, Noel can see about people that we're mentioning. So I can kind of follow along instead of just eat popcorn and listen to you people be righteously angry. I mean, I appreciate other people being righteously angry because, you know, I need a break sometimes. But as someone who's done her share of uh, pinup, shoots as a cosplayer and a model there is nothing wrong with being pleased with somebody with your body and Faye is adorable and whoever is speaking ill of this amazing woman i'm watching some of the videos right now needs to just shut their fucking cake holes 
because this is the kind of representation that matters. And if she if she's playing to a trope, which in the one clip on here is clearly what's going on, is she's she's playing with and subverting tropes because she's clearly owning what's going on instead of being sexualized. She's pushing that moment. That's amazing. And she should be celebrate. She should absolutely be celebrated for that. And gross white supremacist dudes need to shut their cake holes. He'll block me next, and I don't care. I'll make sure to call him out extra so he can block the podcast. <laughs> Yay! Because that will he'll just yell about how people were people were mean to him, and that'll I just get us more followers. Wrote, uh, I have another Twitter account that, um, due to friends' that suggestion. I started in our wrestling chat room making wrestling poetry. So I created a wrestling poetry account and I actually wrote an ode to Brad Shepard because of all the bullshit that he went through and had been saying and things of that nature. But it's one of those things where it's now of honor to be blocked by Brad because just like him, we also have voices like Jim Cornette, uh-huh. who, who is also not a fan. Oh, uh, is there another trash fire? I will like, let I will let our guests speak on Cornette. I don't even know if trash fire is like an accurate like description of Jim Cornette at this point. Like, maybe he's like a tire fire or like. He's a supernova of garbage. I I don't want to uh, talk over like uh, anybody else here, but it's just like, yeah, he's just consistently racist, sexist, telling people to kill themselves. You know. Oh, one of the to the point that um, one of the wrestling promotions has taken down an episode because of a remark that he made on commentary. Yeah. He didn't use any slurs, but there was a very not well, and by way, not well thought out, then he shouldn't have said it at all. I, I'm going to, re- yeah, I'm going to repeat the comment because I am the white guy and I'm going to quote the white guy. Go for it. Jim Cornette's comment that offended fans was, Trevor Murdoch is the only person who can strap a bucket of fried chicken to his back and ride a motor scooter scooter across Ethiopia. Trevor Murdoch can take care of himself. I, uh, hashtag, there's so yeah. much to unpack. We might That's as well fair. just burn the whole suitcase. And also, I know both guys in that, that match were white as well. And on top of that, I, I believe there was allegations made against Trevor Murdoch that he was racist also a couple of years back. So <laughs> let's just package this all up beautifully. Like, I mean, I feel like it's fair to assume that like most, like a good chunk of wrestlers have probably been racist in their past, which is sad to say, but unfortunately true. And, and the crazy thing is, is like. I used to look at, you know, those things they call shoot interviews and stuff like a couple of years ago, like when I really got into like, you know, covering wrestling. And there used to be, there was a shoot with this wrestler named Brickhouse Brown, right? And he literally listed almost the entire NWA as racist. Wrestlers, promoters, everyone. And I remember sitting there being like, wow, this is a little bit outlandish. Like, I'm black woman. Think of this about this black man because I'm sitting there like, please tell me your bullshit. It can't be everybody's racist. But every person he named, he had a story. He had a reason. And then when you see these same figures that he pointed out as racist years later, like, you know, you've had your Hulk Hogan say certain things like that. Or you hear things that Ric Flair has mentioned in the past. Or you hear things about... Dusty Rhodes might have mentioned in the past or, you know, all these other wrestlers that have said racist things or done racial type of things 
And it kind of makes you be like, huh, now it kind of makes sense. I believe that some point in everybody's life, somebody has either thought racist or said something racist. Like we've all said some terrible things. But I feel like when I hear Cornet say things like that, I feel like this is not a first time you've said something like this. This is a repeated thing. And we've had plenty of wrestlers that have come out of promotions that he's worked at, like Ring of Honor, uh, Impact Wrestling, other places that have said that he's racist. Or he spoke to them in a manner where they felt like he was being racist towards them. So when you go on commentary and you make a comment like that, it just makes you like, what does that attribute to this match? What are you attributing to the wrestlers in this match? Nothing. He has had issues with women's wrestling. Him and Jordine Grace go at it often because of his attitude about it. Whenever Grace says something, they tag him just to get his reaction. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it bad because you have these fans that are just thinking that it's funny and it's not funny. It's dangerous. It's outright disgusting because they're catering to this and making them think that this is funny. It's not funny. Yeah, it's like, and it's it's unfortunate that snitch tagging Cornette is such a fucking thing on Twitter, and it is wholly, like, at the very least, it is wholly obnoxious, but, like, at the worst, it prompts, like, you know, you know, this bullshit of, like, you know, that time he called, like, Jordan, like, again, I know him and Jordan go at it all the time, at that time he called her a butterface, um, and then, like, he'll, again, stay, you know, awful bullshit about like um you know the bucks uh orange cassidy i know has also been on his shit list janelle has been on his shit list um you know and that's just the white guys that he says awful things about like i don't even want to imagine what he said in private about like other like other women wrestlers that aren't jordan grace or you know wrestler you know wrestlers of color which again if that's what he, that he said on commentary, he's definitely said much worse backstage. Right. He's made it known over the years that, you know, he doesn't care for women's wrestling. And he's not the only one that comes from his generation that hates the idea of women being in the wrestling business, period. You, it's, you see it a lot. You had uh, plenty of old-time wrestlers say, I don't know what they're doing anyway. What's this on my TV and it's stuff? And it's just like, goodness gracious, I know your old farts, but God, evolve. He's made it known that he hated when the women became valets because he felt like they were taking the heat from the managers. And then some of those valets transitioned into wrestlers. And that, I guess, in some type of, you know, small penis world, feels like it's not on men and it's taking time away from men. And it's just like, you got to get over that. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like people like that should not be in this business anymore. We shouldn't be giving them jobs. We shouldn't be keep touting them as legends. Like, yes, he's done a lot of things, but are we going to always uphill him for the good things he's did? plus the bad things, and just like, well, he did all these great things with tag teams, but yeah, he said a lot of racist things, but never mind that list. Like, are we going to keep doing that? Like, we can't keep excusing that behavior no matter where he goes, period. One, it's 2019. People still use Butterface as an insult. And two, broke all broken stairs need to go the fuck away. Uh, we need to throw them out. It's... it's it's 2019. Let's be done with their stupid asses. How prevalent is this attitude in wrestling reporting? Is it just like a handful of old guard or is it the dominant paradigm? I, it's one of those things that there's still a lot of the old guard, like especially Dave Meltzer is still the number one, um, like source that people go to with regards to wrestling reporting. And uh, he is also kind of a douchebag. 
Like, I've made it no secret I do not like him. Um, I blocked him on Twitter once. I did block him on Twitter to keep him from, like, his, like, followers trying to jump in my mentions uh, once because he needed to be pedantic about something. Um, but he's also very sexist. Like, has said a lot of, like, terrible and sexist things about women's wrestling, especially women's wrestling in the United States. And people kind of just let him keep getting away with it because especially because he liked 90s Joshi wrestling. And it's like, yeah, everyone likes 90s Joshi wrestling. That like, doesn't excuse him for him being sexist about women's wrestling now. Like, what was that comment he said about the Mae Young Classic about like when they were recording? He said something like, you know, the thing about women's wrestling in the United States is that you have to say it's good even when it's not. Yes, that's what he said. Mind you, he hadn't seen any of the matches yet. Like, they were just recording. They hadn't aired. Ugh. What a... What I've, a I've been going at Dave Meltzer's head since I started covering women's wrestling. And one of the main reasons I got into covering women's wrestling is because when I started Angry Marks, I used to do a little report and talk about what happened on Raw and SmackDown. And then I looked around and I was just like... I don't feel like being one of these copycat reporters. Why am I talking about the same thing that this guy said the day before? And, you know, you know, just like no one's covered women's wrestling. Like you had Diva Dirt, you know, and then you had Ring Bells, you know, become a thing. But there really wasn't much coverage of women's wrestling. And I was doing podcasts and everybody's like, well, Dave Meltzer said this, Dave Meltzer said that. And I'm sitting there like, I'm getting so tired of hearing this name because I have not heard one thing you guys said that is relevant when it comes to Dave Meltzer and women's wrestling. And so that put a fire under me to do the entire coverage. And it started to get annoying to me when people would be like, oh, my God, you write so much about women's wrestling. It's kind of like your own wrestling observer. And it's like, okay, that's great. But at the same time, it's kind of an insult because I take pride and dedication into covering what people will call a niche of a sport. Whereas he can put two sentences in about Manami Toyota in 1992 and everybody just be like, oh my God, he's so great. He's so intelligent. And it's like, if you're still comparing women's wrestling in 2019 to women's wrestling in 1992, especially Joshi in 1992, Joshi wrestling. And women's wrestling here in the United States and other places is completely different styles. Yes, it's the same concepts, but it's completely different styles. So it's a very unfair comparison to make, period. And then to see that to this day, he still gets heralded as this great reporter because he gave Manami Toyota five-star matches and all this stuff. And everybody just excuses his lack of attention to women's wrestling today. And then he makes these offhand comments because you can clearly tell he doesn't really watch it. He doesn't really care for it. He's basically forcing himself to watch it because he knows he's going to get asked questions on it. And they're just letting this guy just walk around and exist. And it's just like, you can tell he's not really up to date on any of this stuff, you know, but because he's old guard, we let him exist. Because there's people that don't know what it is, can you tell people what Josie, Josie Wrestling is? Joshi is basically women's wrestling in Japan. That's what they refer to it as, as Joshi Purasu. Uh, wrestling over in Japan is Purasu, and then for women is Joshi. So that's what it is. When you hear us say Joshis, we mean women's wrestlers over in Japan. Because this isn't a wrestling podcast in general, even though this episode is a wrestling podcast, so <laughs> there uh, there may be terms that are dropped that people do not know. We need to make sure that we provide links to shit so that people who are like me and are like, what is happening? I came here for the feminism. <laughs> what is this wrestling? Uh, can follow along. I made some educated guesses uh, based on context, but we should be thank you for asking the question getting it clarified for the listeners in general yeah, and it should also like each like kind of 
region of like not necessarily women's wrestling though i would say like women's wrestling in japan is kind of more an economy in itself than it is like in the united states unfortunately i say unfortunately in that there's not like it's not treated the same like it doesn't have that same like there are women's promotions in the united states like that are women only um but it's not quite at the same economic level as it is in the uh, in japan but like each region kind of does have its own vibe on like on on country has its own style and joshi in particular does kind of have like a uh, have kind of a style of its own that's like for me it's hard to describe but if you watch it you kind of know yeah because um don't japan like have stardom and uh shimmer i come with both of that um Shimmer's United States based. Um, yeah, Stardom. Um, Die Girls. Sendai Girls. Uh, Ice Ribbon. Oz yeah, Academy. That, I wasn't certain if I. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like maybe about fifteen promotions. Whereas, like, I think in the United States, I can think of two off the top of my head that are strictly women only, and they only seem to they only run like they don't run monthly. They kind of run like every like every quarter or so. You have you have Shimmer, you have Shine, WSU, Women's Revolution, you know, up north. Let's see what else. Then you have Sabotage. And you got you got a lot. There's there's a couple of promotions, but they're not as big as a shimmer. Shimmer is kind of like the the big deal when it comes to women's wrestling. Because it was kind of the first one to actually do it, you know, full time and really take it seriously. And you've got smaller groups that, you know, put on their all women shows and stuff like that. Like you have promotions like Absolute Intense Wrestling used to have their girls night out shows, which would just be shows with all women performers. You know, you have promotions that cater to the women and their audience often, but it's still in comparison to Japan where there's several promotions. Like if I sat here and started naming them off, even the ones that are no longer active, we would be here all night because they have an audience and they stayed with the audience for decades. And it's, it's completely different as opposed to here. Cause it feels like even though, women's wrestling has been going on for decades here in the States. It feels like we kind of were late to that jump, whereas Japan kind of jumped on that easily, you know? The WWE at, for the longest time, I would say that the best things that they really put out was uh, Trish versus Lita on a regular basis. And yeah, they had at the time, Molly Holly, Ivory and things like that. But, they really didn't give the women's of that era, women's wrestling of that era time. Um, I remember a quote from Lita talking about women's wrestling at the time because they were really pushing the divas, the divas, the divas. And she kept her and Trish separate from the divas in regards to they might be divas, but we're wrestlers. We're just now, I think, based on like the Molly Hollies and the Lita's and the Trishas, we had like a diverge of wrestling. We had women's wrestlers that wanted to actually be wrestlers on the indie scene while the WWE was pushing toward TNA. Right. And I find it interesting, like kind of in that middle period of like the Divas division, like after like, you know, the Attitude Era, but before kind of the women's evolution, revolution, what have you, there was just a lot, they were hiring a lot of models who didn't really have wrestling experience, like, were teaching them, like, the bare minimum of what to do. And a lot of the slack of teaching them had to be picked up by Beth Phoenix and uh, Natalia. They were basically having to teach, like, the women's division on the fly, like, how to actually wrestle for, like, about, you know, nearly a decade. Yeah, I would say in the knockouts division, like, I, I'm i not as well-versed in, like, TNA Impact as I am with, like, any, like, 
some other promotions, but um, they weren't always great with their women's division, but, like, they did at least give them some focus. And especially now, like, their women's division has really taken off under Gail Kim, which now they go by Impact Wrestling and not TNA. But, um, but yeah, they did, if I remember correctly, they did two, like, women's like pay-per-views before like wwe all women's pay-per-views way before wwe did well for a while the only reason that you would watch tna or impact was for the knockouts division because the the knockouts division was doing something that the company was not doing wwe was hiring a lot of models and the main reason why they were hiring a lot of models is because they had the success of trish stratus and you had trish stratus go from being a fitness model to basically an all-around legend, the greatest of all time, women's wrestler in that company in a very short amount of time. Like, if you sit there back and look at her career, you just be like, wow, she became that great so fast. So they wanted to capitalize on that, and they figured hiring a bunch of models, they will have that same success. But we've seen a lot of times that a lot of those models would get released, or they wind up just leaving the business altogether. And and the sad part is a lot of them got injured in the ring because, one, they didn't have the technique down. Two, they weren't being taught the technique. Three, they were just thrown into the business. Like, they signed a contract, was guaranteed all this money and they fame exposure. They didn't know what to wrestle with, you know? So they were kind of like, you know, just, you know, newborn babies. And then when you watched Impact, Impact brought in women straight off the NBC. Everyone from Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, Austin Kong, you know, even Gail Kim before she got signed with WWE, she was an indie wrestler and was successful. You had a lot of these women that, you know, if you was into indie wrestling at the time, you would see them all the time. And then you turn on Impact and you're like, wait, wait, they signed her? So when they signed all these women, you had the great chemistry there. Everybody was ready to fight because we weren't getting that on the other channel. So that's what not only made it great, but TNA really put a focus and emphasis on us that saying that, hey, not only is this different, but this is what it should be. You know? What do you feel feel are the positive things that have happened in women's wrestling in the past two years? I would say... I would say that definitely there's been kind of a growing emphasis, especially like on women's wrestling, um, especially in WWE. Now I feel like this year they've kind of like main rosters lagged on it, but NXT's actually been doing pretty well. Um, but I feel like there has been more of an emphasis on women's wrestling between the May Young Classic, um, which is WWE's like all women's tournament uh, that they do. Well, not every year, but they've done it twice so far. Um, I would just say definitely under... Granted, Sarah Del, Del Rey was hired to train the women's division back in, like, I think 2014. So, like, and that's something that's kind of been gradually growing since then. But um, I would say definitely, like, there's been more of an emphasis there with um, with WWE... Like, we did have, like, the first women's main event at WrestleMania this past year. Um, granted, I think that was partially because they wanted to focus on Ronda Rousey, but it's one of those things that kind of take it where you can get it. I hate to say it like that, but I think especially, like, also with, like, talent like Becky Lynch being, like, kind of the top of the division, like, top of, like, the mountain at WWE. But also you have, like, you know, shows like Impact, as I mentioned before, where they've really focused on their women's division in the past, like, year, like, extra hard in the past year with Gail Kim uh, being the head booker for that division. And, like, they're actually getting more into intergender in the past, like, couple of months, which I think Tessa Blanchard is actually going to, she was in the, um, uh, she, she recently, like, challenged for the X Division title, correct? Okay, and then um, and then she's going to be facing for the like Impact's world title against uh, Sammy Callahan soon, which is exciting, especially because like there's not really any other promotion inside the United States that's like well at least major television promotion within the United States that's doing intergender right now. 
uh, which it's all like it's all over the indie scene though. Like I there's tons of wrestlers that I follow on the indie scene that are very much intergender wrestlers. Um, like I mentioned Solo Darling earlier, like um I know it's a whole thing at Chikara where they say like um equal rights, equal fights, and that they don't have a separate women's division because the women are a part of the, you know, they can wrestle for the main titles on the show as well. And right now, like, the women's tie, um, basically, like, uh, the burden of B are holding the, um, their tag titles currently. So, yeah, I think just growing, like, seeing more growth of the women's division on, like, Impact, WWE, seeing more kind of a growth of intergender wrestling and women's wrestling on the indie scene. I kind of, that's been definitely a positive to see, at least on my, like, in my, in my eyes. Kind of, I I completely agree with her what she said. It, it feels like in the past two years, you know, we had, you know, the hashtag kick off on Twitter. You know, give divas a chance a couple of years, and that kind of, you know, spearheaded this women's revolution turn into evolution in WWE's programming. And you know, we saw some big names, you know, come up from their developmental, you know, program NXT be brought up on Raw one night just out of the blue. And over that time, we saw how the product kind of shifted in terms of how the women were being presented. Like, yeah, we still have those moments where we have those really awful storylines that are just cheesy and we need to get rid of. But when it came to the... Yes. And when it came came to the in-ring action and stuff like that, we were just seeing performances that we were not being accustomed to for a quite some time because we were getting kind of just, you know, three minute matches that didn't equate to or matter to anyone. And then when you go from that to having 10, 15 matches, minute matches that are for a title and these women are just duking it out to the very end. And then you're sitting there like, oh my God, no one won. I want to see the next one. And then you get another one, you get another one. And it's just like, you're just overwhelmed with it because you haven't seen it on in that company in so long. Whereas you've seen it in impact for a number of years and you've seen it on indie wrestling for a number of years. And now you have Becky Lynch who came from the Indies, you know, like Beth Phoenix and Sarah Del Rey, who is now the trainer at NXT. She was the Del Rey was the inaugural shimmer champion. And so you have a lot of these women that came from that same pattern go from just being in the backstage to now are being pushed to the forefront. And you got Becky Lynch, who is just like, you can't even say like she's the greatest women's wrestler in the world right now because she's referring to herself as a man. She's encompassed that. She's a big deal. She's you know, showing up on television shows and doing stuff like that. We hadn't seen that with the women in such a long time, especially when they're referring to her as just Becky Lynch and not so-and-so this, so-and-so that, you know. They've helped kind of push it into a different stratosphere than what I felt like it was always going to be the divas with the bomb panty matches and stuff like that. So in the past couple of years, we've seen that we have a stronger voice with the fans and I feel like if they keep going that way things will get a little bit better all right was mentioned about intergender wrestling except for the occasional spot that may happen do you think that the WWE will ever actually do more with that type of thing or are they too beholden to sponsors to actually Consider it. And you bring up there. Did you ask like if like WWE would ever like really do intergender? Yes. I honestly, that's one of those things kind of hard to tell. I think right now they are kind of too beholden to their sponsors to really do anything, and it's especially annoying because they keep signing all of these amazing like wrestlers who are known for their intergender work like Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart. Um, but Mia Yim, like, forgot to mention her. Um, and they're not; those aren't the only ones. Like, I would say, like, 
probably like a good like if not half of the roster at NXT maybe like I'd say like half to 65% of the roster at NXT currently has intergender experience from um if not more say also the current roster too because a lot of those women did do intergender wrestling on the indies yeah. where there was nothing so almost yeah. everybody's had that experience yeah it is, it's one of those things that it's more common than not with like the current wwe roster i would like to see it honestly but it's one of those things that i'm not certain like some people are gonna like I think sponsors are going to have to chill out just a little bit in a, a very quick time in order to really start happening. Which I think the crowd is ready for it, but I don't know. There's an audience for it, but it's just when it comes to their sponsors and the politics that go on with that, they're going to be too scared to, you know, jab that knife, you know, because they're going to wonder, okay, are we going to lose sponsors? Is this going to cause this type of attention? And the company, as you see, they try to get away from any negative attention as soon as possible. Anytime somebody says anything negative about that company, they come out with all these apologies and excuses. It's just like, Jesus, calm down. Just a set defeat one time. But I, they have so many women on the roster and they're signing even more to have that experience because when it comes to indie wrestling, it's like almost everyone has had that experience. You have a few wrestlers that will not do intergender wrestling and it's because of their own bias. And then, you know, you have some of them that just don't believe men and women should wrestle in the ring together. But I wonder if there will ever be a time where we will see a female become another China. And I feel like at this time period, we have that potential for that to happen again. I mean, you got Becky Lynch that's on top of the world. You got so many incredible performers that's there. And, you know, nowadays, like you, when you see some of the women performers next to some of the guys, you can be like, oh, of course she can beat him. Like, duh. So I feel like if we were to see the aspect play out on their television shows, it would kind of open people's eyes a little bit more to being like, oh, this can happen. It happened 20 years ago. But it's just if they want to take that plunge again. One of the things that was brought up on Twitter recently, and I think Sierra was uh, was like the post about it or something of that nature. Right now we have a group of WWE wrestling legends like Triple H and The Undertaker who will come out to do like a match every once in a while because they're legends. They can bring a pop. They can bring a show of the audience. Do we have anything like that for the future for women's wrestling? Like, because we don't, we have, but recently we have an old timers network with old timers that will come out. Do you see this ever happening with the women's wrestling? I mean, I say the closest we have currently would probably be like Trish and Lita. Because, um, um, I mean, they brought them back for Evolution, and uh, Trish had a match at SummerSlam, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. She had it with uh, Charlotte. Sierra, do you have any thoughts on that? Mm, not really. It's an interesting question. I've been sitting here thinking about it, you know? So I never really thought about it too much, really. Hmm. All right, let's start with Sierra for the next question, just so we can make sure that everything's going through. What do we need to see happen for the f- continued future and growth of women's wrestling? And the first things we need to see happening is getting all this toxic behavior out of women's wrestling, period. Whether it's the promoters being scummy, whether it's other wrestlers within the business being scummy, fans perpetuating terrible behavior online, uh, fans turned into journalists that are perpetuating terrible behavior online. We need to eliminate all of that because all of that is detrimental to the growth of it, period. Like all it takes is one 
person's posts that's super degrading. All it takes is one scummy promoter backstage saying no women on the card. That's detrimental. It just takes one action and we can go backwards 50 years. So that's one of the biggest things we have to eliminate for the growth. Another thing we have to do to keep it growing in the next couple of years is be completely supportive. Like, even if we don't like said wrestler A, and we prefer say wrestler B, okay, you can like whoever you like. We all have our bias against who we like, but we shouldn't go and harass people. We shouldn't go and just be completely assholes towards another wrestler. Just be so supportive, inclusive, and support the whole movement. That's what's gotten it this far of fans pushing for this moment, fans pushing for the main event at WrestleMania to happen and stuff like that. Like, if we keep going down that trail, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And you never know, maybe in a couple of years, women might have their own show, you know, something we've never seen. You know, we have places like, wow, you know, you got the documentary on Netflix, Glow. Wow's basically the birth child of that. And you have these moments where you have their all women's promotion, but you never know. It might be a possibility with WWE. So that's what we have to do in the next couple of years for it to keep growing and getting better. Yeah, I definitely agree with Sierra on that. Um, I think also just, you know, it's also pushing for those firsts to like have seconds, thirds, fourths. Like it's definitely pushing it to be a regular occurrence, not just like, something that like you know a promotion does every so every like once in a blue moon to like appease like a fan base like i was honestly surprised it took them about until this year to have a women's hell in a cell again after they did that first one with uh charlotte and uh sasha uh, like about in like what's it, 2016 if i remember correctly so it's like it, I think it's pushing for like those things, those historic firsts, to have like repeat instances. That is just like it just becomes like just as regular as any sort of men's gimmick match or any sort of men's match in general. Um, just so like again, it's just sort of riding off of like Sierra's point. We'll, we're going to see what we can do about, unfortunately, due to the technical issues, we're probably want to have to cut this a little bit short as usual uh, than usual, because everybody stinks in regards to, except for except for CA and Noel, half the podcast right now is just like, just crapping out on us. So let's go through and do some type of uh, closing statement, so to speak. What do you think that people should know? if they want to follow or get into or support women's wrestling? Hmm. Let's see. You have plenty of outlets that you can go to to learn about women's wrestling, support it, keep up to date on news. You got Swerve Circle Sirens. You got plenty of sites. I can't even name them off the top of my head because there's, over the past couple of months, so many of them have popped up. My friend Kristen Ashley runs a site. Uh, she also does a lot of coverage for women's wrestling over at Fightful and other places. I cover women's wrestling. You have very few podcasts out here. Uh, we have, there's one, Not Your Demographic. One line, there's, you might come across a couple of sites that have information on like Joshi Wrestling, Women's Wrestling in Japan. There's just so many avenues you can go across. And I mean, if you, Find me on Twitter and you want links to certain things, just let me know. I can send them to you. Like, I'm always reading a new article. I'm always keeping up to date on certain things. So, yeah, there's just, there's plenty of information out there. Is there any specific women's wrestler that you think that people really should go through and look into or anything of that nature? There's plenty of them. I'm just going to recommend a couple off the top of my head. I want to say Nicole Savoy. She's former Shimmer champion, great all around, you know, technical wrestler and just amazing. Another one, which is one of my favorites, Madison Eagles. She's also a former Shimmer champion, but she's just a legit badass in the ring. And it's quite a shame that she has not been signed by 
any of these companies. And, you know, I basically consider her the, you know, the godmother of women's wrestling in Australia, you know, because she was one of the very few along with, you know, Billy Kay, who's in WWE nowadays, and, you know, Shaza McKenzie and a couple others that first ventured over here to the States to start wrestling for Shimmer and getting, you know, that exposure. And now, you know, yeah, Shaza, you know, doing spots on AEW and popping up in NXT and stuff from time to time. So it, it's what worked out for them. Um, I want to recommend a Joshi. Hmm. I want to say, I want to go with Stardom because it's one of the most popular promotions over in Japan. I want to recommend Arisa Oshiki. She's really, really great. Um, she started wrestling when she was like maybe about 15, 16. And she retired for a couple of years and then she came back and, you know, watching her then and watching her now, it's just like, I'm just like, uh, wait, you're still that good. It's just, it's like she has not lost any time of being that great in the ring. So she's one of those ones I would recommend to. All right. And Ashley, your same questions. Uh, like Sierra said, there are tons of great resources out there. I believe the site that uh, Kristen runs is... Um... Is it Bell to Bells, if I remember correctly? Kristen was actually going to be on this podcast, but she had to drop out last minute. Oh. Oh, boo, Kristen. That makes me sad. Yeah. That just like, means we'll I, have to do a follow-up episode. Right. Yeah, just like, and when I actually have my mic and my computer set up, which I just ordered a computer today, so yay. But yeah, I would say like, uh, yeah, what what Sierra said, like Squared Circle Sirens, uh, Bell to Bells are great sites for uh, women's wrestling. And obviously you can always look up Shimmer in terms of like women's wrestling in the United States, uh, which they have like a ton, like tons of history with regards there. Um, For intergender um, in the United States, I would say like Beyond is doing great work. Uh, Chikara has always been a huge part of their uh, ethos about how the company runs with regards to that. Another promotion out in the Midwest that do- is doing great work with regards to intergender uh, is uh, Bizarro Lucha. So if you check out their stuff on uh, IWTV, like especially like Shotzi Blackheart was the ace of that company all, all this past year. So lots of great intergender stuff there. Um, and of course, if you find me on Twitter, I can probably find some. Like, if it, if I don't know it, I'll find somebody who does. Um, and what about female wrestlers that people should look into? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like Solo Darling, the Statlander, uh, Allie Cat is another favorite of mine. Um, definitely, she's coming up through like the Midwest scene a whole lot. So she just got signed by WWE, but Shotzi Blackheart um, is also another great women's wrestler. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, Willow Nightingale, uh, who she's in a tag team with Solo Darling. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, Danny Jordan, who's actually, uh, she's a Georgia-based wrestler. Uh, both her and Aja Pereira are Georgia-based wrestlers. And Danny was actually just on uh, AEW this past week. She ended up being in a squash match with Nyla Rose. But it's still very exciting to see her, uh, especially because I was there in the audience. You know, you just bring up a point. We didn't really talk about the strides that AEW has helped with women's wrestling in regards to like Nyla Black, uh, Nyla Rose with uh, her being a transgender women's wrestler and up there fighting for the title. Plus, like Aubrey Edwards being a major, being like almost main eventing the as a referee for AEW too. Yeah, I think uh, AEW has been doing some great work with regards to their women's division in terms of, like, visibility. And, again, Aubrey, like, uh, you know, going to uh, uh, Dynamite last week, like, the crowd loves her. Like, like this is the type of crowd that knows, like, who refs are. And, like, they love Aubrey. Like, I think she's probably, like, the second most popular referee there behind Rick Knox. And which is just well deserved, but I think there's still a lot AEW can do to kind of bring focus to their women's division. Because they do right, have a lot of work, yeah, 
Yeah, because like right now, it just feels like the only real story that's going on with the women's division is Brandy being a witch and summoning Awesome Kong, and I don't know what's really going on with that. I I, I like seeing more of Awesome Kong. I hope they follow up on that match they teased with Aja Kong at some point. But like, it's one of those cases where like. Cody blamed like the, their lack of focus on the women's division so far on like visa issues and it's like okay I mean that's I can understand that from like you know uh, from a business perspective especially because there's a lot of wrestling promotions that have had problems with that recently but they still have a ton of like women talent that they signed that don't have the visa issue so why is it that you're still not focusing or giving them time on the main show. All right. So where can people find you? For me, you could find me on Twitter at, at Miss Kitty F. Uh, that's also my Instagram. Things I'm working on right now should have my Patreon running soon. Uh, if you check out my Twitter page, uh, my Itchio account is at the very top uh, as a pin tweet. So that's where you can find comics I have written um, as well as zines I have curated. Um, and then I also have a podcast of my own, which is not about wrestling, but is about Power Rangers. It's called Ranger Splain. I do it with my uh, my best friend Jay Smith. Uh, we're currently on hiatus, but we should be up and running with the, uh, back running again within the new year. All right, and Sierra, you can find me. You can find me on Twitter at c i a r a nineteen one eight nine. I tweet a lot about wrestling. If I post any articles, I usually always post links to them. But you can find a lot of my older articles on ProWrestlingPonderings.com and Square Circle Sirens. And, yeah, just be on the lookout because I'm going to start writing again soon when I get downtime. Sweet. Because more voices are better. One day we will have another wrestling podcast on this not wrestling podcast platform. When we get people organized and everybody's technical aspects are working properly. So that being said, we're going to go through and sign off for this episode. Again, everybody, if you want to check us out, we're located at xchromosomepodcast.com. Uh, and we want you to email us at write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. Noel, is there anything else that you want to go through and mention? Um, this was super enlightening. Um, thank you both so much for coming on. This was cool. I can't wait to do it again and talk about more of these intersectional issues in what is a traditionally hyper-masculine space um, and how we're conquering it one innovation at a time. All right. So that being said, my name is Bill. And I'm Noelle. And we're going to kick out the bot. Yeah, so Craig, get out. We All Have an X Chromosome is an xchromosomepodcast.com production. Executive producers are Noel Dial and Bill Malvesi. Executive director, Bill Malvesi. Associate technical director, Huey Algool. Associate news director, Brian Grimes. Music by Alpha Riff. Hosted by Noel Dial and Bill Malvesi. <laughs>